Once again, it's that witching hour on Saturday afternoon. Uh, for those who are chilling out at home and jumping on the uh, PC to listen to me, I want to appreciate it. And uh, you, you guessed it. This is not Victor. This is JT. I'm on riding solo today uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is the master plan. The number to call in is 347 Excuse me, not the master plan. Wow. Wow. The master plan is 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday. This is the FSP Crew Show. And that's not it either. It's the FSP Show. How about, Jerry, you get this right? You know, maybe I've been doing too many shows and I'm not focusing on the show at hand. I say this again. It's the FSP Show. This is originally Victor Gardner's show. He's not available. I usually co-host his show, but now I'm hosting it. And I'm really starting off not doing a very good job, but hopefully it gets better. We're sitting here for an hour. Uh, like I said, the number to call in is 347-637-3220. I'll say that again. 347-637-3220 is a place to be if you want to talk to not Mr. FSP, but me, JT. Anyway, I've got a chat room sitting out there. If you'd like to jump on that chat room, you can do that also. In fact, you can criticize the way I started this show. Late on the music, miss, uh, uh, representing what show I'm actually on, it's got to go uphill from It's got to go all downhill from here. Got to get better. Can't get any worse. We're going to be talking about NBA. The NFL and Major League Baseball, not necessarily in that order, not necessarily in jumping from all NFL uh, to all MLB to all NBA. We'll be probably jumping all over the place uh, because it's a crazy weekend. I started off crazy, crazy song by Prince. Why not continue the theme throughout this Saturday Fine Memorial uh, Weekend Alright Let's take it like this Le- LeBron James led Cleveland Cavaliers And LeBron James himself Are going back To the, NF- at the NBA Finals LeBron James is going back to his Get this Consecutive NBA And um, I don't know what to tell you Six consecutive NBA finals uh, The Cleveland Cavaliers as a team Is going back to their uh, The second back, Going back to the back-to-back finals And uh it should be interesting. Uh, LeBron James says it, it means everything to him. Uh, they had a heck of a celebration uh, 
after they beat the um, um, Toronto Raptors, um, 113, excuse me, not 113, after they beat the Toronto, Toronto Raptors um, in the last game, and I'm trying to find a freaking score. I should know it by now. I've looked at it more than once. Let's go this way, and then I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you like this. I'm starting this show pretty badly anyway. Um, they beat the Toronto Raptors yesterday. Uh, like I said, yeah, I was right. Uh, last night, 113-87. Carrying the theme that they be, beat them by double digits every home game that they played the Toronto Raptors. Uh, clearly, the best team even though the Raptors uh, did win two games at home. Uh, The Cavaliers did win two games at home, three games at home, and then went on the road, game six, and beat the Raptors in their own arena. How? Don't know, man. I mean, uh, they just didn't show up. It, like I said, I've been saying this for a while. They're a young team. Never been here before. Um, had a uh, short spurt of confidence when they did win the uh, game three and four at home. Got beat down in game five going to Cleveland and continued that theme when they came back home uh, and um got beat down by uh, almost 30 points at home. Now, LeBron James scored 33 points. He was man on a mission. And just like the leader of a team should, um, came out with a purpose. Like I said, he scored 33 points. Kyrie Irving followed him as in suit, reaching that 30-point mark himself. And then the uh, uh, third third leg, so to speak, on that team, Kevin Love, scored 20. Uh, DeMar DeRozan and did, on the Raptors did chip in with 20 points for the Raptors. Carol uh, Lowry showed up again, did um, score 35 points. Uh, but other than that, no one showed up. Louis Scola, no points, no rebounds. Mr. Carroll, seven points. He was the next highest scorer behind uh, Lowry and DeRozan. Seven points. So the team scored 87 points. Quite naturally, the two guards, Lowry and DeRozan, uh, are the main point getters. They scored 55 of those 87 points. So what happened to the other players? Patterson scored nine points. Uh, Valencius scored six points. Bayumbo, who's mainly a rebounder, and he had nine rebounds, nine defensive rebounds, no offensive rebounds. 
had four points. The problem with this team, they don't have a consistent third option. And it puts the, all the pressure on the two, point, two guards, not point guard, two, two guards to do all the scoring and to bring them home. Well, in order to do that, the Toronto Raptors have to play tenacious D. They have to be able to play the type of defense that's going to uh, limit the opposition, and this one being Cleveland, to one-and-done shots, not rebounds. And when I say one-and-done shots, I mean one-and-done shots that for the most part, are not the type of shots the opposition, and this one meaning Cleveland, wants to take or uh, low percentage shots. Not layups, not short jumpers, not wide open jumpers, contested jumpers at all time, and preventing LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, two of the main characters that like to go to the basket and, and, and get layups. And, and then um, produce foul shots LeBron James had seven free throws so he went to the line seven different times Uh, he went to the line uh, um, not a lot not as much, not a lot, he, but he he had four four for seven from the from three point. Excuse me, God, four for seven from the three throw line. Uh, Kevin Love was a hundred percent six for six from the uh, free throw line. Kyrie Irving uh, went four for five from the three throw line. Uh, Kevin Love and uh, LeBron James were at fifty percent from three point line. Kevin James was four for eight. LeBron James was three three for six. J.R. Smith was five for eight. So, and then Kyrie Irving was two for four. So out of those five players, or four players, I should say, they hit uh, 14 three-point shots out of 26. So they're 14 for 26 from the three-point line. Let me just make sure I got that right. Seven, seven, two, yes, they were 14 for 26 from the three-point line. When you're over 50% from the three-point line and you have a team that is not a, a three-point shooting team, doesn't shoot three-pointers effectively, uh, you have from the starting five, the starting five took 16 three-pointers. 16 three-pointers for the Raptors I'm talking about. Scola was 0 for 1. Carroll was 1 for 2. Bayombo doesn't take three-point shots. He's not that type of player. 
DeMar DeRozan is not that type of player. He's from the from inside the three point line into into the basket. So he's he's a, mainly a two point shooter. He's not a three pointer shooter. He only took one three three pointer, and was zero for one. So the only one really that is a three point shooter on this team, and is consistent. And if he's not consistent, then it really hurts the team. But he was consistent in his his fifty percent, which is a very good percentage for shooting three uh, three pointers. With Kyle Lowry, who was six for twelve. So out of the five starters, three of them took um, four three-point shots. One of them didn't take one at all because he's not that type of player. The Biombo, I mean, not B, the, the Biombo, but Biombo, he's not that type of player. Kyle Lowry took 12 three-pointers. Fortunately, he hit six of them. But you can't contest. Excuse me. You can't contest when you only make seven three-pointers out of 16 compared to a team that shoots 26 and makes 14. So they make 14 three-pointers. That's 42 points out of the seven that you take and make. That's 21 points. So you make twice as many. Cleveland hits twice as many three-pointers. As Toronto and uh, what's the what's the uh, uh, point differential? What's the point differential? It's not pretty. Twenty six. So they hit forty two and uh, at forty two points at, from three point line. And the Toronto hits 21. The point differential in the game was 26. The point differential in three-pointers made was 21. So if you only hit, if you hit those three-pointers, now you got to make up only five points to, to get to the point differential that Toronto got beat by. A couple of layups and a foul, or a couple of layups or one layup and, and a, or one three-point play and a layup, you're there. So the, so the problem was Toronto wasn't defending the three-point line, and uh, Cleveland, when given a chance, was hitting theirs. Especially the, the uh, J.R. Smith, Kevin Love, and um, LeBron James. All three of those guys did the most damage, and, and quite Kyrie Irving he chipped in with two out of four. But uh, those guys did the damage, and they accumulated starters for the Cleveland Cavaliers: twenty, thirty-three. Two, which Tristan Thompson is just straightly a re, uh, defensive rebound guy. Uh, Kyrie Irving with 30 and J.R. Smith chipping with 15, all from the three-point line. Talking about uh, J.R. Smith, not Irving. Irving with a combination of, of, of 
uh, two pointers and three pointers when he got 30. Quite naturally, the same with uh, um, LeBron James. Kevin Love, he did his most damage, uh, did most of his damage with three pointer. He had four three pointers out of eight shots. That's 12 points. He scored a t- total of 20. So he, he figured he got a couple of uh, whatever, two point plays. Uh, he went to, and not even necessarily that. Let me put it this way. He had three, uh, four three-pointers. That's 12 points. He was six from six from the foul line. So that's add another six points to that. That's 18. So he only hit a, a layup or a two-point shot from there. So he did most of his damage from the free-throw line and from the um, three-point line. He did contribute with, uh, and I'm talking about Kevin Love, with 12 rebounds. And 12 of those rebounds, uh, those rebounds were defensive rebounds. And the Cleveland Cavaliers distributed the basketball pretty well. Uh, Kevin Love had four assists to LeBron James at six, and Kyrie Irving had nine. Which you would have to think that... uh, the bench players didn't have to do too much and didn't play that much. Uh, Love played 39 minutes. LeBron James played 41. He made, wanted to make sure that and, – and Kyrie Irving played 40. J.R. Smith played 36. So these guys logged some decent minutes out of a 48-minute game to ensure that they didn't go to a game seven back in Cleveland and would be able to rest up for the eventual winner out of the West. And we'll get to the West shortly. What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is this. I'm not a big LeBron James fan. For those of you who've been listening, uh, you, you, you probably know that. But... For LeBron James to go back to the finals six straight time is pretty amazing. Um, with two different teams. Now, I'm not, when I'm saying six straight times, he's going six straight times with two different teams. Uh, twice now, back-to-back years, this year and last year with the Cleveland Cavaliers and then going with the Miami Heat. <clears throat> You got to believe there's something to that. You know, you got to you got to give it to him. Got choked up a little bit Friday night when he talked about it. This is what he said when he got interviewed right after the right after the game. Um, He was asked what he's most proud of with his six straight trips to the championship series, and you, you can't knock the man for. You know, I know he went to two different teams. One went to the Miami Heat. He sold himself, sold his soul to the devil, you want to say, so to speak, in order to uh, be able to have a chance, which he did, uh, to win a championship. But like I said, he was asked what he's most proud of with his sixth straight trip to the championship series. Quote from LeBron James, I don't know. I've heard all the questions, and that right there is a stumper. 
Um, I am just very humbled and gracious that the man above has given me the opportunity to play the game that I love. And I get to go out here and do it every single night in front of my fans. It is very emotional to be part of something like this. This is my sixth straight. It means everything. And like I said, um, like I said before, uh, you got to give it to the man because the fact is that I apologize for that, people. Uh, <clears throat> some technical difficulties. Uh, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Uh, and uh, we can continue as we said. Now, like I said, <clears throat> I'll say it again because maybe I got disconnected. It's very emotional be, to be part of something like this. This is my sixth straight. It means everything. And you got to hand it to the man. Got to hand it to him for the simple fact that six straight time. How many players do you know? And I'm trying to think of a few of them, and I can't. That had made that many trips in conse- consecutively, six straight times, back to Bill Russell days. Am I talking about that? Going going to that many championships in a row. Not maybe not winning in them all, but you know, you got to be in it to win it. You got to have the opportunity. If you don't have the opportunity, then you never win. You never um, achieve it. But to be able to have the opportunity to reach for the stars, um, you got to think that it's got to be special. And he also quote from LeBron James. He said he didn't really appreciate last year's journey to the finals in his, in his return to Cleveland due to injuries that knocked out Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving in the postseason. And quite naturally, those who watched the postseason and the finals, they, they saw LeBron James and the rest of the Cleveland Cavaliers struggle against the Golden State Warriors. And the eventual uh, NBA champion turned out to be the Golden State Warriors. LeBron Saint, excuse me. LeBron James um, expressed that in this quote. There's definitely a different feeling. I didn't appreciate last year myself personally on getting back to the finals. Just so much was going on in my mind, knowing that Kev was out for the rest of the season and knowing that Kai was dealing with injuries all the way from the first round. I just didn't appreciate it. It's definitely a different feeling. Having these guys right here at full strength, having our team, at full strength and the way I feel personally, I appreciate this moment to be able to be part of it and to be there once again. As you know, last year, Kevin Love dislocated his shoulder. Uh, Kyrie Irving uh, required season and the surgery on his left kneecap. And, uh, now those two guys are healthy. The whole team at, the team as a whole, I should say the whole team, the team as a whole is healthy. And I think it will be a totally different 
from J.R. Smith. I think it will be totally com- different compared to last year. And there's nothing like having a full roster. Carvey went out in the game one. Kevin was done first round. There's a reason why they get paid the big butts, so we will. Uh, so we'll see, I should say. This team is locked in, uh, in a quote from James uh, oh, Richard Jefferson, we're, we're locked in on four more. We're not popping champagne. We are not kissing babies. Uh, that was from Richard, Richard, Richard Jefferson. We're just enjoying this process. <clears throat> um, Dan Gilbert, I'll close this out with this. You can see it on LeBron's face. You can tell when he's happy. He just sort of glows. That's a comment that was um, given to Fox Sports Ohio from the Cleveland Cavaliers owner, Dan Gilbert, who I'm not a really big fan of. But uh, and it, what can I tell you? But Dan, Dan Gilbert says uh, Le- LeBron James is in a happy, happy place. He's feeling good about himself and feeling good about his team. Uh, the team as a whole, uh, it seemed like, like uh, Richard Jefferson said, it's locked in on four more and uh, are really not uh, crowning themselves anything. Just looking forward to the process of playing whoever wins out of the West. Speaking of West, you have the Oklahoma City Thunder who lead the Golden State Warriors. Three games to two in a seven-game series. Going to OKC for game six. A do-or-die game, in my opinion, for Oklahoma. Any time that you're in a series, and you don't have home court advantage, You don't want to have game seven back on uh, your opponent's court. You want to close it out on your court, which will be game six for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because then it, it, the advantage flows back to the home team, the team that has the home court advantage quite nationally, and that would be the Golden State Warriors. Warriors are capable of beating the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've done it several times in regular season, and they've done it twice in this series. So it's not like so it's not like it can't be done. It's just the fact is that uh, it seems to me that the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder have found a formula, if not to make it extremely difficult for the Golden State Warriors to come out victorious or they're going home. The backs of book, this is the mentality that I'm thinking. I'm not saying they are, but this is the mentality that I would think they would have, meaning Oklahoma, going home to play the Golden State Warriors. We don't want a game seven. We don't want to take it to that. We want to get this over and done with. 
with a chance to rest up. I think the first game is uh, Thursday, um, June 2nd. With a chance to rest up as much as we can because we're going up against the hot LeBron James team who've only lost two playoff games throughout the playoffs. So we want to end this as quick as possible. We want to get the much rest and much preparation before the finals start as we possibly can. We don't want to have to go to back to Golden, back to Golden State and risk losing the seventh game on our opponent's floor. We have a chance. This is our shot to take this game and end it and not be written in history as a team that was up 3-1 and let their opponent, which is in this case, Golden State Warriors defending world champions, to come back and win three straight and go on to the NBA Finals. You don't want to be written in a history book like that. Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, and company don't want to be written in the history books as having a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals and blow it. Because of past history with those two on this team, they could be labeled, forever labeled, choke artists. Can't win the big one. Uh, Good in the regular season, but when it push comes to shove, can't win the big one. For Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, who's a free agent going into uh, the offseason, this is a huge, huge game. Huge game. Now, I can't, I'm not saying that they can't win it in Game 7 in Golden State, but the odds drop dramatically when you, when you go on your opponent's floor, especially when you play your best. Most teams play their best at home. You play your best at home, and you get the win. Which team shows up? And I'm talking about on both uh, – in both teams. Do the Golden State Warriors that were playing pretty relatively well earlier in the uh, playoffs show up? Do the the Golden State Warriors that won uh, the last game and won previous game against the Oklahoma City Thunder show up? Or do – do the Oklahoma City Thunder team led by Westbrook and Durant shed that choke mentality, that choke artist mentality that they've um, done time and time again in the regular season and uh, at, at times in the postseason and take that next step put the Golden State Warriors on the sidelines watching who the next uh, and new, not returning, but next new NBA championship is going to be meet the Cleveland Cavaliers that are going to be waiting, partying. Now, I can tell you right now, 
if it was if I was a Cleveland Cavalier, regardless if it was LeBron James or the last guy on the bench, and it's Memorial Day weekend, you just sewed up the Eastern Conference title, and you don't play another game until Thursday. Now you got plenty of time to uh, rest and get yourself together. But I'm taking one or two nights, days or whatever, and I'm partying my ass off to celebrate what we just accomplished. I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a stick, meaning I'm gonna get on at to work when it when it when I have to. But I want to take some time to breathe, to enjoy the moment. I enjoy, enjoy part of it with my teammates. I want to be able to enjoy the moment with my family and friends. On on a holiday weekend, how possibly could it not work out any better? And I would think the same thing with OKC. Um, they don't win today. They play, what, uh, probably on Monday, if I'm not mistaken. And you really can't celebrate it because you're in the moment. You could have a many, many, very small uh, Memorial Weekend, Holiday Weekend celebration, but you really can't enjoy it because you're in the moment. You you got to focus on the next game. You got to be make sure that you're right, that your body right. You get enough rest and, and any um, try to heal up any bruises that you may have, just in case you lose this, this game today. That you got to play. Uh, probably Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is. You want to wrap this up as quick as possible. As quick as possible is wrapped up, and quite naturally, the Golden State Warriors have to stay on point. They have to be totally focused because they have to win two games compared to Oklahoma, who has to win one closeout game. So both these teams really don't have a chance to celebrate, I mean really celebrate the supposedly this is the opening weekend for summer Um, it's a beautiful weekend in the east coast right now it's between 80 and 90 somewhere in that Uh, decent humidity bright and sunny out and uh Good day to, to spend outside, barbecue, and enjoying life with friends and family. So you would think that the Oklahoma City Thunder want to close this game out as quick as possible. I don't blame them. Don't blame them. But in my opinion, and this is strictly my opinion, game one is tonight, 9 o'clock on TNT. They better come correct. This team, the Golden State Warriors, didn't win 73 games for nothing. They're in the same situation as the uh, – have to have the same mindset, even more so, because they have to win two games, and they have to try to force a game seven so they can try to close this out on their home court. So both these teams – 
are going to go tooth and nail. And I expect this game to be pretty physical. And the next two games, if it goes past this game, uh, I expect both these games to be pretty physical and, and pretty intense. If it, if it, regardless if it goes to the seventh game, and mostly, you know, if I was a Golden State Warrior, I wouldn't even worry about Game Seven because you can't have Game Seven unless you win Game Six. So Draymond Green, you better get your act together because I think you're getting too a little bit too wild here, flailing your legs around. Uh, you're one flagrant foul away from getting suspended. Two technical fouls, I think you get suspended. So. At times, I would think this, and this is this is my thinking about Mr. Green. I think he's gotten a little bit above himself. I think he is needs to be humbled or whatever because um, he think he's all he's a very good player. I'm not taking that away from him, but his mentality is that he's the last man on the bench. That's what it should be, and he's trying to um, and do the things and stay humble like the last man on a bench, not like he's a superstar with all these accolades and he can do and say anything he wants on the basketball court and he'll be able to get away with it. It sounds like, it looks like he, he, he's got that mentality and it seems like this, this is going to be, I wouldn't say the downfall, but this is going to be a weak point in the Golden State Warriors where, where one guy gets disenchanted, uh, once saw the spotlight or relishes the spotlight but doesn't know how to handle it. And I think Draymond Green is uh, is like that. Look at Clay Thompson. Look at Stephon Curry, two legit all-star players, two legit big-time scorers. And look at Draymond Green. He's got ability, but – you can't let that ability go to your head. And I think that is what is going on here. And that can be fractious to the team uh, like the Golden State Warriors. I think that'll be a weak point. I think, think there may be some we – had, we had some uh, rumblings of that earlier in the year uh, when he lashed out and, and, and said a few choice words that were overheard by the media. I don't think there's any other player. Iguodala is a humble guy, uh, and uh, uh, it's not like that. Uh, I think this guy is very boisterous and doesn't have a a filter, which can be a problem. Which can be a problem, and and doesn't have a filter on the court, which can be another problem, which can cause his team. Uh, the loss of his services if he doesn't control himself on the basketball court. I'm just saying. This this game tonight, 9 p.m. on TNT, it's going to get very intense. Who can keep their head? Who's going to go the other one to lose it? These guys have a lot of talent. I mean, the the big three on both uh, the big three uh, on one team, the big two on the other. They have a lot of talent. And with that talent, they also have the talent to go the other or go players into doing something they wouldn't normally do. And 
Draymond Green seems like the guy that would 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 normally would not normally do something, and will do it out of emotion because uh, he's an emotional type of player. Russell Westbrook is, but I think uh, Draymond Green has um, done that a little bit more. You've seen it come out. You've seen him do things that you cringe at. You're like, come on. And he's gotten away with it. Is he going to back off? Or is he going to keep keep doing those things? And sooner or later, the referees are going to, go, are going to call him on it. Call him on it. And the next thing you know, he's going to say, I'm sorry. Didn't mean it. Should have realized. But that that's going to be beside the point when he's sitting on the sideline suspended for a game. And it could be a crucial game. If he does it in this game, it could be a crucial game. He gets suspended in the um, in the um, seventh game, which could be crucial. <clears throat> which could be crucial. So you have to wait and see what happens. But I'm thinking because of what happened in the last game and the of the last game, which was uh one twenty to one eleven, with the Warriors pulling out a nine point win, that you're gonna have to score between one oh five to one ten to win this game. Well, maybe uh, let me take that back. I think this game doesn't get to 100. I, I have to take it back because I have to realize. I think this game is going to be a very intense game, very conservative game. This team um, is not going to – a physical game. That's what I said. I think this is going to be a very physical game. Um, um, usually that's what happens when uh, uh, one team back against the wall, meaning Golden State Warriors – but you got two teams that are going to co- go into this game looking like their backs are up against the walls for two di- for different reasons. Golden State Warriors need to get to game si- need game six to get to game seven at home. Oklahoma City Thunder want to close the Golden State Warriors out of game six because they don't want to go to Golden State for game seven. So in essence, both these teams' backs are up against the wall and are going to come out like that, and I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Uh, even though, even though, the over, uh, even though, let me see what the, what they uh, think, think is going to be here. Over under. What do you think the over under is going to be in this game? Um, let's see. Let's see what the over under is going to be. Over under is two hundred and twenty one points. So they're, they're thinking it's going to be one uh, hundred something to one hundred something. That's going to, to, to total two hundred twenty one points. I have to disagree. I think it's going to be under 221 points. Um, 
total. Under 200. So if I was a betting person, I would say it would be under 221 points. This is, in essence, a game seven. Even though it's a game six, this is, in essence, a game seven for different reasons that I stated previously. So I would think that the Golden State Warriors need this as much as the Oklahoma City Thunder, and we'll see at 9 o'clock what happens here. Okay, let's move on. Got about 12, 12 and a half minutes left in the show. Um, let's move on to the NFL. Uh, earlier, the NFL. Um, came down on the Ravens because of the uh, in, o- in rookie OTAs a rookie camp I should say the Ravens decide to put the pads on for five minutes for a, what, a special teams play which is not allowed by the NFL due to the CBA agreement. Ravens get fined over uh, over $300,000. The head coach, Jim Harbaugh, gets fined over $100,000 with the fact that they didn't realize they were breaking the rules. Come on. Talked about this on Thursday. I'm talking about it again. Come on. It's not like this is the first year coach. Not like this is the first year general manager or the coaches in place and a front office in place. Um, It's all new. Seasoned veterans in respective positions within the organization, coaching or, or management, upper management, that know what the deal is. They get paid to know what the deal is. And now they have to pay the NFL for trying to skirt the issue, or skirt the CBA. Goes to show you. I mean, they say they try to get an edge. Okay. You try to get an edge within the rules, not out, go outside the rules. Because you're going to get burnt. Somebody's going to call you on it. Some player rep, some other player going to his player rep or going to a vet and saying, hey, are we supposed to be doing this this soon? And having it come to light. There's always eyes looking out there at each team. Always eyes looking out there on both sides in, within the team within the uh, union to make sure things are done the way they're, they're, they're supposed to be done. Whether it's protecting the team's interests or protecting the player's interests from the uh, Players Association, from the union. So to do things like that, you cost yourself some money and you cost 
a week of OTAs. That's a lot. That's a lot when you li- you you already limited with the CBA collective bargaining agreement on time that you have the players and how you can how you can be- utilize the players. I take a week away from you, plus money, plus money. That's really got to hurt. And instead of trying to get an edge, now they fall back because now they got to make that time up. If you can make it up. And you're limited on what you can do to players and when you can do it to them and how much you can do it to them and how long you can do it to them and the time you spend. So you'll never make that time up. So what did you accomplish? Nothing. Didn't accomplish a thing. Except being... being and I hate to say it like this... But being underhanded enough that it costs your organization over three hundred thousand dollars, costs you, Mister Hallball, over a hundred thousand dollars out of your pocket, and costs the team a loss of practice time for a week. That's a lot for an NFL team. Forget the money. I mean, these teams are worth millions and millions of dollars. We're talking about actual time that coaches have with their players. That's more valuable than the money at this point. You have a winning team. Fans come to the stadium, buy merchandise, um, and uh, the like. You can make that money up. You can't make up playing or practice time for players. You cannot make that up. All right. What else do I want to talk about? Let's talk about this. How does this sound? The Las Vegas Raiders. Yep. Oakland. You may have seen the last of the Raiders uh, they they're going to play out this year in Oakland, but they may go the way of the St. Louis Rams going to l a Raiders have made progress in Vegas now owners want the facts that's the headline that uh, Dan Graziano put out there on ESPN dot com and the owners have been, um, I, again, I wouldn't say polled, but asked about uh, uh, what's your thoughts on the Raiders possibly uh, moving to uh, Las Vegas. Mark Davis is serious about moving the Oakland Raiders to Vegas. And he's playing it so slow with his fellow owners. And uh, that may be the best way for him to end up getting what he wants. Now, Goodell past Tuesday when asked here's the quote until we have more information it's pure speculation and uh, that was at a spring owners meeting uh, which concluded Tuesday night 
and supposedly his words echo those of the owners and team president informed, surveyed, informally surveyed Monday and Tuesday in the hallways and lobbies um, of the hotel that they were uh, holding their um, spring meetings. They were asked, could they imagine voting at some time in the future to allow Davis to move to Las Vegas? Sure, just like they could imagine letting Davis move his team to London or Mexico City or Beijing or Venus if he could convince them such a thing was viable and, more importantly, profitable. Now, on two, those two points, it's viable to move them. Um, Las Vegas is looking for a team and, and, uh, and profitable. Uh, come on. If they move the Raiders to, to uh, Las Vegas, you think um, besides the the draw that Vegas has already, now they have an NFL team. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that now we have a vacation. We can go to Vegas, and if it's during the football season, we can take in a Raiders game. Any Raiders fans – who's from California can always go to Las Vegas and it's a twofold vacation. Really? Come on. Davis said in that meeting, I haven't heard anybody say no. And you could, he could and you swear you could hear ringing slot machines in the distance. <laughs> this was more than a headline friendly quip and Davis knew it. He's a heck of a lot farther down the road on this than his fellow owners are, but he knows the best way to get them to say no will be to bring them this idea before it's fully informed. Many of those surveyed this week point out that they haven't seen a market study and will need a lot more information about everything, from demographics to ticket sales to projection from luxury seats, concession sales, and personal seat licenses. While team owners Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones have spoken publicly about the appeal of the Las Vegas market in the abstract. It's the details that will get them to pay attention, and no one knows when they'll see those. Quotation from Jeffrey Lurie, owner of the Eagles. Mark hasn't brought forward anything for us to consider at this point. And uh, until... Davis gets uh, all the information and whatever that's likely to his benefit. He's one of the league's least wealthy owners and not among its most influential. He finished third in the eventual move at the Los Angeles in, 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 in Los Angeles. So he, he, uh, for a few months he, back, he, reminded, he was reminded of that. His late father's, Litigious history has been mentioned in a few places as a reason some grudge-holding owners might not want to do the Raiders any favors. But money talks and BS walks. You know that. But more than one owner this week said Mark Davis has shown himself to be a willing and patient partner in ways Al Davis didn't always want to be. Just as old aversions to gambling associations as an obstacle to Vegas seem to be fading away, it's not accurate to assume the current group of NFL owners will hold the sins of the father against the current Raider-owning son. There may be some room. uh, There may still be some of that in the room, and I wouldn't doubt it. All right, people, tune in next next week where Victor will be here, um, uh, and I'll be co-hosting. That's 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. 
Uh, tune in tomorrow. We're on a master plan where me, JT, will be hosting that 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday. I appreciate you um, uh, joining me um, and uh, appreciate you listening. And, and please return back next week. See ya. <laughs>